0: We are finishing up our conference, and the, uh, the last talk I want to give to you tonight is on the prayer war. I was happy to look into your missions notebook, and I saw, like on the second or third page, different ways in which you can pray for missionaries. Prayer is something that we terribly underestimate. It is probably the most powerful thing we can do, and for some reason, we haven't really believed that or learned that. I'll call this, uh, this man Trebayan. It's not his name, but I need to protect him in case this ever gets out on the web. Trebayan was a political reformer in Indonesia, and in 1999 he led an uprising that actually overthrew the Lampung Provincial Government on Sumatra temporarily. For this, he was imprisoned for eight years and was released in 2007. Trabayan had grown up in East Timor, an island nation that fought to free itself from Indonesia for more than 20 bloody years. In 2002, while Trobayan was in prison, East Timor became the first new nation on the earth in the new millennium. And it is the only Christian nation to free itself from a much larger Muslim nation. While many Christians in East Timor are just folk Christians, and we've talked about that already... They have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Trebayan's mother was a believer. Took him to church, taught him portions of the Bible, and prayed for him relentlessly through his rebel years. After his release from prison in 2007, he met Jim Smith, another fake name, an American missionary fluent in Indonesia who, after multiple arguments over coffee, led Trebayan to commit his life to Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah. Within a year, Trebayan had led more than 20 men to Christ and baptized them, starting three house churches. As of this date, eight years later, estimates are that Trebayan has led more than 680 men to Christ and is directly linked to more than 85 house churches and 9,000 believers across Java and Sumatra. He also helps to train these men in doctrine to help keep the churches on sound footing. But before all of this, there was just his praying mom. Desperate prayer moves the muscle of God. The past and the future belong to the intercessors. Mankind is all too familiar with war. There are few years in human history where numerous wars have not been waged on the planet. In the past 3,400 years, only 268 years have been without war that we know of. While clashes can happen suddenly, wars must be planned out. Jesus even said so in Luke 14. There must be a strategy. There must be structure to an advancing army. In virtually all modern wars, when the fighting begins, the first phase of attack is the air war. A barrage by heavy artillery... Successive missile strikes and a bombing campaign by military aircraft, this is known as softening up the enemy. To commence the ground war with infantry, when there has been no preparatory air war, is to invite disaster. Even during the ground offensive, troops are being overseen, guarded, and assisted by these aircraft. In the realm of missions, the air war is the prayer war. The prayer war is the offensive that thousands of believers scattered in distant places can make on their knees, asking a globally present and powerful God to protect, encourage, enable, and bless the efforts of heaven's ground forces mobilizing in land still in captive darkness. You think this is all just a bunch of nonsense, but for a missionary, this is the way we think of five old women getting together to pray. Pretty serious stuff, stoked with missiles. The work that they can do is no, mi- no minimal thing. Obviously, the more precise the coordinates, the better the air support will function. Specific prayer is much to be preferred over praying for general blessings. For this reason, as a missionary trainer, I hammer our missionaries joining the mission. You need to communicate frequently with your support network. We have a monthly prayer letter called The Summons, an echo from my days in the law. But we have a Facebook prayer group called The Summons Remix. And that group has more than 240 people. That group has been praying for us for the five days that we've been at this conference. Because I send them regular updates. I'm going to Edgewood Bible Church out in, near Seattle. Please pray for this missions conference, for fruit, for hearts to be challenged and changed. And there are people who have been praying, lifting us up through this conference. Most missionaries are involved in the ground war. They are on the front lines where the forces of light are engaging the larger and more aggressive forces of darkness. They are invading enemy territory, places that have been Satan's strongholds for centuries, communities that are known for socially legitimized occult practices. Villages that overtly or covertly persecute those who follow Jesus. Nations where the evil ones advocates are actually government officials who reject visa applications or expel missionaries. And the battle's not just on the outside either. It's very much on the inside. Missionaries are not superhuman. Their God and their calling are extraordinary, but their fallenness, weakness, and needs are the same as any other believer. There are seven specific requests for missionaries that flow from the New Testament, where men like Paul were planting churches at a fairly rapid pace. We looked, as we studied as missionaries, a missionary team. We looked for these the the phrase "pray for us, pray for us," and you can find them scattered throughout the New Testament. Each of these seven requests covers some of the most critical things missionaries need help with, and each of them because we're all preachers, begins with a C. So you could call this the air war over the seven seas. Missionaries need prayer for care, contacts, courage, clarity, conversions, Christ-likeness, and workers Let's take a look at each one briefly. And if there are any kids left, or if you're a teenager that never did grow up, I've got little airplanes flying through this thing, so just be on the lookout for them. All right, number one praying for care paul said this in second thessalonians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 finally brethren pray for us that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith remember the number of times that paul was hassled or in danger because of the message of the gospel or because his presence his presence in unsafe areas for the sake of the gospel There are 17 passages in the New Testament where Paul's life is in peril. Some believers say that the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. That is wrong. I'm sorry, I know they mean well, but it's just wrong. In fact, I heard a preacher preach this two weeks ago and then talk about how many in the persecuted church are martyred in the will of God. But if the safest place to be is in the center of God's will then we should always be safe, free from harm, and free from death. But the fact is, God calls many of us to suffer and many of us to die in the bullseye of his will. So the best place to be is in the center of God's will. But it's not always the safest. Some people, in fact, would prefer to be out of God's will and safe than in God's will and in harm's way. So you need to pray for protection and preservation. Welcome to Johannesburg, South Africa, where 80% of car hijackings are at your front gate, and you pull up, and there's a guy with a gun in your face. Some of you have uh, heard the story of my wife's hijacking. My wife and daughter were held at gunpoint. My wife, after thorough training in exactly how to respond to this kind of situation, did everything wrong. But bless her heart, the Lord preserved her life. She looked straight down the barrel at them and said, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> and fortunately, the Lord caused confusion. You can talk to her afterwards about how that went. And we praise the Lord for that. I, I walked, I, I drove through a hail of bullets one time, a guy jumping over the wall running in front of me, and then all of a sudden an arm with a gun came over top of the wall and started firing as I was driving through it. Fascinating stuff. Um, And the worst thing was I got on Facebook right away and I said, bullets, bullets everywhere. And that's all I posted. My daughter gets on there, dad, you can't make a post like that, you know, especially when we know where you are. Missionaries or their wives are abducted, raped, killed, robbed, physically attacked, hijacked, unlawfully arrested, threatened, and sued each year, and the list goes on. Their children often pay a price as well. Many missionaries live near war zones in places of civil unrest and high crime. So, how to pray? Pray this way. Pray that the Lord will soften and change the hearts of kings. The heart of kings is in the hands of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he can change it wherever he wills. Especially as countries are closing now to missionaries, not renewing visas. Pray that the Lord will keep the missionaries from reacting poorly to evildoers or violating their own consciences by by their actions. Um, if somebody's got a gun in your face, demands your pickup truck, you give them your pickup truck, they're driving away, you cannot pull out your weapon and shoot them in the back of the head. That is murder. They're no longer opposing you with deadly force. So, but anger sometimes can take over, and it's a dangerous and scary situation. So praying for them to keep a level head. Pray that the Lord allows them to elude difficult or dangerous people like Paul was asking here. And then also that the Lord will reveal to them that they are walking under divine protection. One of the things we have to do as missionaries is anything that goes wrong, we got to practice the fact that our God is sovereign. So when I get a flat tire, I praise the Lord for the larger accident that I was not in down the road or whatever else could have happened up there. I don't know. But I'm not going to say, "Oh, please, I can't believe this is happening to me and fuss and fight and fume. All of that is hundred is percent. nothing can happen to me that is outside of God's will. I can act outside of God's will, but nothing can happen to me. Okay, now I know you're going to take me up on this when I get home. Okay, fine. All right. We'll see what happens at the airport tomorrow. Sorry, hate to do the Tevia thing, but uh, you know, so. Pray for this. Plan A, pray for safety for your missionaries. Plan B, pray for grace and profit if the situation goes adversely. That the missionary will download the sustaining grace available to him or her. Capitalize on the situation to spread the gospel to captors, criminals, officers, or medical personnel. Think of all that Paul accomplished while in prison. Read Philippians 1, verse 12. He's asking for prayer, and you know what he's saying? Pray that this will... We're down to the furtherance of the gospel, not pray that I can get out of prison. You know, first thing we would do is pray that I get better food. Pray that I get out of prison. Pray that Paul's like, I'm staying here. God put me here. Help me to use this situation well. All right. So praying for care. Number two is praying for contacts. Praying for contacts. Colossians 4 verse 3. Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. This is basically asking God to provide opportunities for them to build redemptive relationships and begin sharing the truth. A contact is a person whose name you have learned and you've made a plan to see them again. Okay, one of the things we do is strategic consumerism. That is, where do you go shopping? Wherever I can get the best sales. No. Where you go shopping, pick your pick your store, whether it's Walmart or whatever grocery store you have, go to the same store if you can, the same day, the same time of day, because those clerks you need to get to know by name. If you see Marsha at the at the till, no, uh, at the at the checkout cash register, and you say, So, how's it going? You know, and oh, okay. Really? You look like uh, something might be, you might be wrestling with something. Well, my mom's really sick. Sick with what? Sick with cancer. Hey, I, you may say no, but could I just pray for her right now? Amazing the way people sometimes respond to prayer. If she says, well, no, I'd rather not do that here, fine. Okay, come back. But when you see Marcia next time, how's your mom doing? I've been praying for her. Okay. So you get to know their name and you have a plan to see them again. They become a contact, very important. Paul wrote this Colossians 4.3 in prison, asking again only for gospel opportunities. You may remember Paul in Athens walking in the marketplace, having conversations. Little did he know that he would be invited to speak to the, in the main, the main forum of philosophers up on the Areopagus. They were like, You're teaching some new thing. We want to hear what you're saying. Could you come and speak? And Paul's gone up there with the fancy swells the philosophers. He did really well. Um, I know from studying philosophy and the Greeks of philosophy, Paul, when he was up on the Areopagus, directly quoted two Greek poets, Greek philosophers, and indirectly referenced seven different Greek philosophers in his talk on Mars Hill. It was brilliant absolutely amazing. And it showed that he was not just a Hebrew of the Hebrews, but that he had actually been studying his culture. So you're praying for key contacts, people that will open up doors to other people. Um, Dear friends of ours, Rob and Donna Hireman, we buried Donna two weeks ago in Ottawa after a four-month struggle with pancreatic cancer. But they have been making friends with immigrants. They had a picnic for 30 at their home, 42 people showed up, <laughs> and it rained. Uh, so they moved everything inside of this little townhouse, uh, townhouse that they have. Eight different languages were spoken, no believers. These were Muslims from Afghanistan. One guy had been imprisoned by the Taliban for six months and had gotten free. These were refugees to Canada, and Rob and Dono, And as missionaries, you know, we just geek out with something like that. I got 42 lost people, eight different languages, and they're all, they love Rob and Donna. Like, they called him mom and dad. I mean, mom and dad. I mean, when Mustafa and Tama's baby was born in the hospital, Donna was there. Mustafa and Tama are both lawyers from Baghdad, from wealthy, wealthy families. If they trust Christ, They'll lose everything. Pray for them. If, got, if you're writing down stuff, Mustafa and Tama still have not trusted Christ. But they were there when Tama had this baby. And they were ripped to shreds when Donna died two weeks ago. So they're battling, battling about this life after death thing and this Allah and Jehovah of the Bible. And wow, it's tough for them right now going through. But great opportunities there and absolutely loving it. So how do you pray? Pray for them to make contacts in their location, wherever they are. In their vocation, some of them are doing English as second language. Some of them run bookstores, whatever they're doing. In their education, some of them, we actually sign up for classes at a local college just so we can make contacts in the classroom. In their acquisitions, that is when they buy things from the store. In their avocation, that is if they are members of the gym or they're at the model airplane club or they like, you know, sailing or whatever else, whatever their advocation is. In their recreation, when they take their kids down to the park. Uh, our team in Ireland, just that's their technique. If you go out for a walk as a dad mom in the evening, no one talks to you. If you bring your kids, they talk to you. It's very strategic to get a really good dog, like a golden retriever or a cocker spaniel. Pit bulls, no, are not good for redemptive relationships. But and then whatever their situation, um, our family, we, uh, we moved to Atlanta many, many years ago for a stint there where I was working with the European team, but um, we were gonna start a Bible study in the high school. And we floated it with some of our neighbors and they were like, could you run a Bible study like for adults? Yeah, we could do that. I know a whole lot of people who'd be interested. And then this lady, Went door to door through our neighborhood. A lost person inviting people. The Browns are having a Bible study. you got to come. And only 10 people end up at that Bible study. One of whom was a Jewish lady, a young Jewish woman named Lisa. We were driving home from speaking at a church on a Sunday evening in Atlanta. Eight lanes of traffic in each direction. And my transmission went out in stop and go traffic in the fast lane. That's one of those things, like Tevya. you look up. Why did you lay my horse now? So we pulled over up against the median wall, and I'm out, and my son is out, and I'm like, Josh, I, you know, I'm going to have to try to, this is like Frogger trying to get across six lanes of traffic without getting killed because this is before cell phones. And so with this, Lisa pulls over. She's like, you need help? I said, yeah, but I, I've got a whole family. She said, I wouldn't have pulled over if you didn't have a family. Oh, okay. Well, she was an animal behaviorist. She trains dogs and cats for commercials. Well, my, my kids were like, "Oh, This was like amazing. This woman trains pets. Cool. So she ended up coming to our Bible study. Never did trust Christ. Six or seven of our other neighbors did. So whatever situation you're in, always think you're up to something, Father. What is it? What is it that I should look for in this situation? So, thirdly, pray for them to have courage. Ephesians 6, verses 18 to 20, praying always that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of God, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And you kind of wonder with this, was Paul actually afraid? And I referenced this earlier. Yes, he was. When Paul went to Corinth, it was such a pagan city, he got really quiet which is hard to imagine Paul doing that. But he got rattled, and so the Lord had to personally encourage him. So pray for God to encourage your missionaries, to pour courage into them. We uh, polled our missionaries a number of years ago and said, what is the hardest thing for you to do as a missionary? And you know what it was? To share my faith. So if you felt guilty about this morning, you're in good company. All of us, even those who are missionaries, whose job next to being a church planter is probably to be an evangelist. We struggle with it. We struggle with having courage, getting up the the muster to actually speak to people. I could tell you lots of stories, guys, as an area director. One, sometimes having to call missionaries home because they have been one to two years in an area, and they spent all their time homeschooling and huddling in the apartment Never learn the language, never engage the culture. Why? Because these are evil and wicked people. They've got multiple body piercings and tattoos, and I'm afraid to expose my kids to them. It's like, hello, you are a missionary. But they will not change. They're so rattled. They fail in their courage so much. We have to send them home. So pray for God to pour courage into them. So pray that they will have courage through spirit willpower. God says, be strong and very courageous, and he gives us help. In Acts, boldness in Acts chapter 2 came through the filling of the spirit. Pray that they'll be bold through affirmation to gain courage, that someone will say they've done a good job. When I was area director for Europe, we went and visited Jack and Pat Berenson in the Netherlands. And uh, it was a small church plant, and but they were singing the same songs that we sang in South Africa in our church plant, but they were singing in Dutch. And uh, we were listening to the preaching, didn't understand a whole lot, but people were following the scripture and everything else. And afterwards, we said to them, you guys are doing a great job. This is awesome. This is just like our church in South Africa. And we thought, you know, it's nice just to encourage. All of a sudden, tears rolling down their cheek. They had been on the field for 17 years with BMW. And none of our predecessors had ever said they were doing a good job. There are people out there discouraged enough by circumstances. We need to be encouraging them through affirmation. Pray that God will encourage them through good results. People coming to Christ. People who come to Christ who are grow and go Christians. Who just want to take off for the Lord from the moment they receive Christ. Pray that they'll receive courage through another person's example. We have... Dear co-workers in South Africa, Daniel and Don Warren, and I trained Daniel, helped to train Daniel for ministry, and Karen's been a mentor to Don, but it's like they kind of passed us now. (laughs) They're leading people to Christ. They're engaging lost people right and left, and they're like, hey, pray for us in a few minutes. We're going up to talk to, you know, the couple that moved in upstairs, and and we're like, don't you hate it when they just kind of like make you look terrible? But we gain courage they're doing it we need to do it so we gain courage by watching their example fourthly pray for clarity colossians 4 verses 3 and 4 praying for us as well paul said that god may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of christ that i may make it clear which is how i ought to speak a missionary who is new to a language or a culture can really struggle to communicate scriptural truth and the gospel clearly. Therefore, praying for God to enable your missionaries to get a really good grasp on the language has a, a knock-on effect to help the gospel, to learn the culture quickly so as to communicate with clarity is of critical importance. So you're praying for God to help them communicate clearly in their own language and certainly in a learned language and a culture. It's my daughter Ellie with a girl she became friends with in Japan. So you're praying for them in very practical things like language acquisition. Many missionaries struggle. We've had to send some home because they have a second language learning disability as an adult. They just can't pronounce the words properly. They just destroy it. Um, others come along and it's hard. Every once in a while you get a seminarian, you know. He graduated from Masters, the seminary of all seminaries, and he knows Greek and Hebrew backwards which is the way you actually read Hebrew. But, I mean, so he knows all of this stuff, and he comes to the field, and like, we're putting you into language learning. And so for 18 months, he becomes a two-year-old child trying to pronounce his words, you know? Exprechnik nick deutsch Hmm, painful. And then their kids come home from preschool and like, no, 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 papa, and then they speak this perfect language after two months. It's like, you know, why can kids pick it up so fast? And we've seen seminarians reduced to tears because they learn all the Greek and Hebrew and then trying to pick up German. They forget all their Greek and Hebrew, and they're like, I am John MacArthur's twin, and I can't even ask for groceries properly. It's really hard for them. So pray for them during this time. Rick Gaudet went through two years of language learning in southern Süddeutschland, Deutschland über alles. And then he moved to Austria where he was working to help in this church plant. He got up and did his first message. And he was preaching on Paul and Silas in prison. And he got to the point where a great earthquake shook the prison. But instead of saying, ein große Erdbeben, which is a great earthquake, he said, ein große Erdbeeren, which is an earthberry, which is a strawberry in German. A great strawberry destroyed the prison. And of course, Austrians would never laugh out loud like you just did. They all just kind of turned to one another, like mm, you know, Schrecklich. And uh, and so he thought they really loved this preaching. So he said it again and louder. You know. <laughs> so I I I uh, I really hope that God privileges me to have the time and the energy to compile missionary language mishaps. They're some of the most funny reading you can ever imagine. So. So praying for them to have clarity in language acquisition, in learning cultural cues. In Japan, for instance, uh, a company's CEO passes away. The board of directors meets. They're talking about one of the board of directors, one of the directors becoming the next CEO. And they're talking about it, talking about it. And then the facilitator says, all right, well, let's take a vote. And so they go around, eight men. Do you think you should be the next CEO? Yes. 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 And the guy says, well, it is clear that they do not want me to be the next CEO. They all said yes. They looked down and away while they said yes, which means no. Yeah. Yeah. Cultural acquisition, really important. Cultural training, that's one of the things that we try to do and we're trying to get better at. Clarity and faithfulness, uh, faithfully communicating God's word. And also in speaking to the heart. We believe very much that the Saluan people, they have a Bible in Indonesian. But in order for them truly to drink deeply that this is God communicating to me, you need to have it in their heart language. Number five, obviously praying for conversions. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. You're actually praying for a gospel wildfire like they have in Indonesia. Pray for fruit. Pray for a harvest from sowing and watering for God's glory for more worshipers. Not all fields out there are harvest fields. A lot of them are sowing fields. Right now, the neediest countries in the world are not, perhaps, what you would expect. It's great to take mission trips to Uganda, but right now, Uganda has the highest per capita born-again Christian population of any country in the world. Whereas, in Sweden, or Denmark, or Norway, less than one-tenth of one percent. But it's a lot cheaper to go to Uganda. And there are little brown people in poor clothes, and that's what we think missions is. For some reason, we don't think a banker in Luxembourg in a three-piece pinstripe suit needs the gospel. But I assure you, they do. Europe is now the darkest place by far in the world. And so we need to rethink, and when we pray for people, we need to understand that, that God is the only one who can remove the blinders that Satan has created. So you're praying for conversions on sowing fields, asking God, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, asking God to destroy the blindness that Satan lays over the minds of people, lest they would believe. You're asking for conversions of all ethnic groups. And right now, the world is a hodgepodge. You can go to Luxembourg just to witness to Filipinos, just to have a ministry to Filipinos. You can go to Canada just to minister to Syrians, you know. Toronto is the most cosmopolitan, ethnically blended city in the entire world. You can go reach any people group in Canada. Grace Brethren, International Mission. We love the Brethren. They guys are great. They used to be in Indiana. Some of you might know that. They closed up their mission headquarters, and they moved to suburban Atlanta. Why? Why? Because all of the 47 people groups that Grace Brethren International Mission are trying to reach around the world live in Atlanta. And so their missionary trainees come through missionary training and then they go out and live for six months in the community of their target people group. Amazing. Pray for the salvation of key people. You'll see, even reading through the scripture on the missionary journeys, Paul and... um, Paul and Silas on the second missionary journey, they led many people and and some of the chief women of the city or some of the leading people in the city. You'll see this. That's not put there for no reason. Sometimes when you get people of power and influence and they profess Christ, others see that and they're like, well, okay, I guess it's intellectually responsible to do this. This is one of the reasons that we are praying for Mustafa and Tema up in Ottawa the Muslim lawyers from Baghdad. If they come to Christ, there's a whole circle of Muslims around them. I think they're the most powerful in the group. And if they trust Christ and walk away from Islam, I have a feeling a lot of others will follow. Not that they don't have faith. It's just that they're afraid of the, counting the cost of discipleship. Not easy. So pray for key people. And then people in key places. Now, Paul went to Gentile cities. He targeted cities, not so much the little tiny villages because you reach the big cities where people are more open to strange and bizarre ideas like the gospel, (laughs) then they will take it. Those churches, the city churches, will take it into the surrounding communities. All right, six, pray for Christ's likeness. Philippians 1, verses 19 to 20, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer, and that I will not be ashamed of anything, but with all boldness, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And you remember I was talking about Eric Little earlier, the famous runner for the 1924 Olympics. Even when he was in the prison camp, maintained this godly, sweet, Christ-like attitude, he had sent his wife and his children back to Scotland and was alone there and serving, serving up until the day he died. It's complete surrender. That's what life's about, Were his last words. So you're praying for good actions that honor Christ and not for bad actions that snuff out that testimony. Pray for them to be godly in their reactions to things. There are a lot of things, particularly if you are moving from first world to third world, that are very frustrating, very frustrating. You go to this department, it's like, No, we do not do that here. You must take it over there. And so you go over there and it's like, oh, who sent you over here? We do not do that. And you are missing your marriage license. I'm getting a driver's license and I need a marriage license? Yes. I've been waiting for four hours in this queue. We are sorry. Next, please move out of the way. Go home and get your marriage license. You want to come in with a very large gun i'm just trying to get telephone service you know my poor kids a couple of them we left behind in college in 2004 we moved back to south africa south africa takes you about three months to get phone service at your home <laughs> which is like internet too and uh our kids were like when are you getting this service? yeah it's a lot of pressure and so like i said it pours miracle grow on all your sins when you move into a foreign culture and you tend to have ungodly reactions pray that they'll be christ-like in their priorities very easy to get very busy with God's work. And if you immediately hit the ground running in the morning, you are basically saying, I am declaring my independence from you, God. I am going to do your work today, and you can just watch. And I'm speaking to myself. We got to get up in the morning. We are waging this war on our knees. We start on our knees. If you stay up late gaming, and then you have absolutely no wit about you in the morning, and it's quick, grab coffee and get to work, you're cutting God out of the most important part of your day. We cannot live that way. thats is un-Christ-like. Who spent more time in prayer than Jesus? Jesus was God in human flesh. Hello? If he spent that much time in prayer, and we're clueless, how much time do you think we should be spending in prayer? A whole lot more um the couple working in togo she uh, stephanie used to be the secretary for paul holritz with whom i now work she said paul yeah i said what a privilege to to work with such a godly man yes and like his prayer life getting up at four in the morning to go back and forth walking in the room praying through his three by five cards so i put that on my to-do list um I was soundly rebuked. Okay, now I heard about this guy's prayer life. Um, Pray for them to be Christ-like in dying to self daily. Pray for them to be Christ-like in their love for the Father, even as Christ loved the Father, and in their love for sinners. Getting back just a second to priorities. The world is full of needs, guys. Right now, 2.1 million AIDS orphans in South Africa. 4.4 million orphans altogether. When you see these in clusters of 50 and 100, the tears come to your eyes and you say, what am I supposed to do? The answer is the will of the Father. And I had to quickly learn, because I ended up going to the hospital with uh, kind of a nervous breakdown when I started dealing with AIDS orphans. Jesus came to this village, but by virtue of coming to this village, he did not go to that village or that village. Jesus actually passed by villages and did not go to them. There are a lot of ministry opportunities sometimes that you need to say no to. You are not called by the need. You are called by the Lord. That's why I'm a little light on trying to put the guilt trip on you to get to go into missions. That's God's call, and you will know it. A burden for a country will sink its claws into you and will not let go. That's a sign that God is calling you. But I'm not going to put that guilt trip on you because to respond to the need can be done in the flesh. And I have seen missionaries go out because their mom and their grandma put them on a guilt trip that if your life was really going to count for the Lord, you needed to be in full-time Christian service or you needed to be a missionary. And I've seen people move to Hong Kong. I was sharing with some this morning, Mike with whom we came through candidate school in 1994, moved to Hong Kong, raised all his support, which was a lot for Hong Kong, went to Hong Kong, learned Cantonese, and ministered for five or six years, and in frustration said, you know, I just came here out of guilt. I'm finished with this place. And he came home from Hong Kong. He left the mission. He went home to his church, got angry at them, got angry at the world, left everything, now he's an atheist in West Virginia, a former missionary. So a lot of times we will do things, godly deeds in the flesh, and I would never want you to do that. Then lastly, pray for coworkers. Number seven, Luke 10, 2, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." I'll show you a picture. Uh, Where is it? There he is. Jim and Bonnie entered a mission field when it was a time of great social upheaval. Although there were dangers, people were open to new ideas, and dozens came to Christ. With just a little discipleship, these new believers began leading their friends to Christ. In six months, Jim could count six new spiritual generations. He was asked to speak to business gatherings. And in schools, Jim and Bonnie began to feel strained. Five churches of new believers were meeting and looking to them for help. There were discipleships, counseling needs, men's meetings, home Bible studies, youth events, ladies' needs, and the list went on. The pace led to strain in their marriage and family life and finally to their mental and emotional breakdown. And at the height of blessing, they had to return to the States for counseling and rest. Paul wrote, besides other things, there comes upon me daily this deep concern for all the churches. (laughs) I put it up there, anxiety. Remember the guy? Just remember this. Put a little smirk on your face. Paul, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Same Greek word. He says, I'm anxious daily (laughs) for the churches. So even Paul, given his good truth, don't be anxious about anything, was anxious about the churches. There can come a great strain Almost any missionary could give you a dozen places your family could work, either as a vocational missionary or getting a job nearby and being a marketplace minister. Many, even non-believing families nowadays, are getting jobs overseas. They feel it is great exposure for their kids. Why could we not do that so much more in the body of Christ? Praying for coworkers to simply help with the work. Co-workers to bring new gifts and strengths. Co-workers to encourage and to counsel. Co-workers to inspire by example. Co-workers to be a sounding board for new ideas. And so here they are in a list. Pray for care, contacts, courage, clarity, conversions, Christ-likeness, and co-workers. John Piper wrote this, Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we make it a domestic intercom to call for more comforts in the lounge. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances around the world. It is not easy for churches to develop a culture of prayer. If we pray poorly, we often see no clear answers to prayer and are further discouraged from praying. But once a culture of regular, fervent, informed, and specific prayer has germinated in a church, the answers often become very clear, so much so that it's like God is showing off, where he's almost answering before you finish praying. God enable us to get to that point. Let's not be so busy doing that we forget the fuel of missions is prayer. Let's close in prayer. God, our Father, we confess as poor, broken people that we, and you, you know this all too well, that we are so self-sufficient. Forgive us. More. We've shared our faith with people without even asking you to help, without asking for your spirit's work. Forgive us for discipling and trying to do it on our own. Forgive us for our lack of prayer, even in the morning, basic prayer to commit our day to you, to ask for you're filling, to ask for your help and assistance to deliver us from the evil one. We, we don't talk to you at all. And I, I guess we should say thank you for the hard times and the trials that come because at least then we talk to you. Father, teach us how to pray. Make us people of prayer so that one day when we die, we'll see you face to face and we'll just keep right on with the conversation we've been having with you. Help us to fuel missions an enormous muscular power from the churches that they would not only support missionaries through finances and never having that mission missionary enter their thoughts but Father help them first and foremost to support us through deep and meaningful prayer and like our Indonesian brethren pointed out to us through desperate prayer thanks for our time together thank you for these days, these evenings together And, Father, I pray by your spirit that you would revisit these truths on your people here. I have a witness in my spirit, Father, from you that Edgewood is not just meant to reach Edgewood, that this church is not just meant to bless a lot of people here, but it's meant to do something greater, something bigger. I don't know what that is, but I pray that you would protect and unify this church and move it into the future by the power of your word, power of the Spirit. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.